What story are you telling with your life? If we were to see words displayed in your memoir, would we read that you had loved with courage, experienced heartbreak, but still fought for a love that was genuine and fulfilling? What would we sense about the way you felt about your life? Would we feel your conviction and passion about things you deeply care about? What would we see displayed across a screen if we were watching your life in a movie? Would we see a life that is vibrant and full of energy and love? Here's the thing. We're all telling a story with our lives. You, me, basically everyone is. But have you ever taken a moment to step back and think about what your life is saying about you? For real. If your life was to be written down or experienced or even seen, what would that story be? And by the way, I am referring to circumstances that are within our control. Our life choices, our decisions, the actions that we took or didn't. Because there are circumstances that we experience that were not in our control. And those play a vital role as well. Which, by the way, is why it's so important for us to get healing. But what I am talking about are the decisions that are within our control. So imagine for a moment that we were to experience a story of your life. What would it say? Would it say that she had an innate gift for creativity and could see solutions to problems that most people would never dream? But every time someone asked her to do something creatively out of her comfort zone, she found a reason to say no because she was afraid of what people think of her art. Would it be that she was the first person to encourage everyone else? All of her friends told her that she was appreciated for her friendship. But when it came to believing in herself, she diminished her own capabilities and sidelined herself from doing what she really wanted to do with her life. Or would it say she was a really smart cookie, a thinker, but those thoughts ruled her life to the point where she was paralyzed with indecision about the future? She was afraid that anything she did would be the wrong choice. Each and every one of you listening to this podcast are divinely created with a unique purpose. I believe that with my entire being. And oftentimes that purpose gets pushed down or squashed because of our own negative beliefs or our trauma or poor decisions or indecisions, if that's the case for you, and fear. And lately, I've been hearing from women that they are looking for a deep meaning in their lives, to live a life that is filled with purpose. Because when you strip away everything else, it really does matter that our lives are intentional. And with all that has been going on in the world, it's caused us to reevaluate what we want out of life. Being stuck at home kind of has a way of doing that, revealing things about us that we've pushed aside. So let me float this idea. What if you were to reimagine your life and make a shift? What would the story of your life be? Maybe it would be she saw the value in her giftedness and realized that her talents can be used to help other people. And when opportunity came her way, she was excited with the possibility. Or maybe she felt a compassion for herself and she began to make choices that helped her grow in her calling and purpose, which brought her so much freedom. Or she heard the voice in her head as more of an encouragement and started to make decisions quickly and effectively. See, that sounds like a way better narrative. So today on the podcast, we're talking about identity with David Trotter. When we know and embrace our identity, we have the power to shift the narrative in our lives and the story we tell. You're listening to The Courage Cast, a show to equip and empower women to live bravely. Each week we'll share coaching conversations and stories of women who are willing to face their fear and pursue their purpose. Here's your host, life coach, author, and your secret weapon. Hello, friends. Well, I'm back for another episode of The Courage Cast. I want to ask you, How's quarantine going? If you're listening to this podcast, maybe you are listening to it at the same week that I've released it, which is probably now the beginning of May, which I cannot believe we are already in the beginning of May 2020. And 
Here in Canada, we still have not necessarily gotten out of self-isolation. So I want to know, how is that going for you? Have you been let out yet? Who knew that we would be, (laughs) who knew that this would be the question in our lives right now? Like seriously. So in case you're wondering, spring has finally arrived in Northern Ontario. Thank God, which means I am out walking and running again, although I am slow and I am trying to get back into the groove. And I've even been sitting on the porch a few days and I think I got a little bit of color back in my face. I'm I'm getting like the ankle tan and I'm able to actually feel like I'm not white as a ghost. And I'm at the point where I'm starting to experience a little bit of a new normal. So some of that is good, some of that is not so good, which has made me even more aware of being intentional about my decisions. I mean, seriously, I have cannot stress that enough. What we are building, what I am building into my life right now is going to manifest in the future. And I've seen that happen over and over again. So what is happening right now in your life, you will see manifest later on. So it's so important to be intentional about what you want your life to look like. And it doesn't matter what circumstances you're facing right now, because those things, those events, those situations, those people, they are there to teach you about yourself and it's revealing your identity. So if you've been thinking about how you can be a little bit more intentional about that, then you're really going to love our guest today. David Trotter is the host of a podcast called Inspiration Rising and that podcast is dedicated to inspiring women and the men who support them, which is really, really cool to rise up in life, love and leadership. For over 25 years, he's helped people get unstuck clarify their goals, and take their lives to the next level through his leadership, speaking, books, and filmmaking. After a decade in nonprofit leadership, David has spent the past 11 years running a successful marketing business, producing, directing four award-winning feature films, and creating resources to make a positive impact on important social issues. David and his wife, Laura, have been married for 25 years and live with their two almost grown children in Southern California. I'm really excited for you to hear this podcast episode with David. He is a really, really awesome guy. So let's get to it. David, thank you so much for being on the Courage Cast today. I'm really excited to chat with you. I've been really looking forward to talking to a male coach who primarily coaches women, which I think is really, really fascinating and totally fun. And you've just recently released a new book. And so I'm excited about hearing about all of that. So welcome to the Courage Cast. Thank you so much, Andrea. It's good to be with you. So I want to know a little bit about you and what you're passionate about, who you serve, maybe even about your family, all the things. Sure, sure. Well, I've uh, been married almost 26 years. Coming up next month to my wife, Laura. We have two kids. Um, Waverly's 20. She's in college. And my son, Emerson, he's 17. He's in high school. And we're uh, hunkered down as a family right in the middle of this COVID, just enjoying being with one another. So it's actually been a, a really fun uh, experience for us in the sense of being together. Mm-hmm. Um, passions. Man, I've had the ob- the opportunity to do a number of different things in life. Um, I started out after three years in corporate. I was actually a pastor for over 10 years. And then about 12 years ago, I had a really a kind of a rock bottom burnout experience that required me to look at my life and go, what kind of life do I want to create and build? And so I started some entrepreneurial endeavors, including a, a marketing business that I still run today. And um, I produced and directed four feature films on social justice issues that were really important to me, I've written a number of books to go along with those. But the thread that interweaves through my life is I just love to help people get mm-hmm. unstuck and just being with them to go, and what is it you really are passionate about? What do you really want to do with your life? And oftentimes there are lots of, you know, mental roadblocks and challenges that people have to not being able to do that. And so um, about a year and a half ago, I started Inspiration Rising as a way to um, help people. And um, as I was starting the podcast and the coaching you know, my wife said, well, of course, you got to pick a group of people that you're going to help. If it's for everybody, it's kind of for nobody. And so we looked back over the course of about 
25 years of my work and life and ministry and said, who are the people that most resonated with my work across the board from ministry to filmmaking to marketing? And, you know, it wasn't surprising to either one of us that the group that I primarily resonate with, for whatever reason, are women that are around 30 to 50 years of age. And so, you know, I started, you know, thinking, what would that look like to start a podcast that's kind of for women? Mm-hmm. And it felt it felt a little awkward. And uh, <laughs> still, you know, I'm still kind of getting um, comfortable with that. Um, but uh, I've always worked with women in the context of corporate and ministry and marketing. Um, for whatever reason, that's the primary the audience and the people that I connect with most. I feel like I feel like I'm at my highest self for whatever reason when I'm working with women. And I work with a lot of guys too, and that's great. So it's not like an either or. But in terms of the podcast and the coaching, I've really said, the way I describe it is I like to um, uh, inspire women and the men who support them mm, um, okay. so that it's kind of honed in in that direction. So yeah, that's a little bit about me and what I'm, what I'm up to. Yeah, no, I love that you are actually coaching women. I, I'm interested to know for you, what is the importance that you see for women in the world? Hmm. Well, one of the um, things that I talk about in my book, Empowered to Rise, in the beginning, in the introduction, is that I started looking at my life and going, okay, my mom is the one who obviously gave birth to me, the one who um, nurtured me, cared for me. My dad played a super active role, of course, as well. But, you know, my mom really is playing that huge role, and she stayed at home with me, and then she prepared me to go to school. And then every one of my elementary school teachers were women. And so I'm seeing this pattern of like all these women pouring into me, nurturing me, teaching me. And then around middle school, high school, things started to shift. All of a sudden, it became more men, Um, men, uh, whether it was bosses at part time jobs or uh, spiritual leaders or um, even coaches. And I was like, wow, isn't that interesting that we somehow give women this high impact leadership role in the lives of human beings early on, but then somehow culturally or society shifts midway through, maybe around puberty. And, you know, I think that's probably just, I don't know, ingrained in our culture in some way. And yet when I look at the role of women, I'm going, man, although whatever that, you know, I can't change that cultural shift necessarily, but women are so powerful in terms of their role, not just as nurturing caregivers, but as fierce warriors on behalf of children and other, you know, their children, other children, fierce warriors on the side of justice, um, incredibly passionate leaders. And, you know, I, I just believe in that. I see it and I want to highlight how women are doing that. And really that's what our podcast is all about is just interviewing women who are doing great things and helping them tell their story. Um, So it's not about me telling women how to live. My goodness, that's not the case. It's Mm -hmm. more me just coming alongside and being a cheerleader and an advocate and, and someone who believes in women. It sounds to me like there were probably many very influential women in your life that would make a mark on you to go into this work. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, you know, my wife's a kindergarten teacher and so she's done that for like 17, 18 years. And I see the deep mark that she places in kids. Like she just loves the kids and families and they come back, you know, junior high, high school and just love her tremendously. Mm -hmm. And I have that love for most of I think there's only one or two teachers that I didn't really care for in elementary school. (laughs) But uh, yeah, just a deep love for them. I know, you know, there was a high school teacher, uh, her name is Jackie Hurt, who when I was a a freshman in high school, she gave me the opportunity in a journalism class to become a photographer. And she said, would you be interested? I don't even know why she asked me that. I remember my grandparents gave me a 35 millimeter camera back in the days of film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that her belief in me started a journey of eight years where that's pretty much, that was my main focus, even though I did some sports and everything, you know, it was eight years of daily shooting 
um, processing the film. And that led me to, I won awards in photography. I worked at a newspaper, you know, set me on an amazing trajectory because of her belief in me and her invitation to help me, you know, get something started. And I just see that that's, that's the power that all of us have. But I think you, you know, women have a unique way of doing that. That is, is very powerful. Well, I definitely would agree with you on that. I, I know I have to say I've had some very pivotal women in my life, but I've also had some very incredible male influences too. So it's yeah. interesting because I've been primarily coaching women, but as I've looked back over the past few years, even just over when I was teaching back years ago, a lot of my, you know, people that I've coached, a lot of people that were, you know, working with me as teachers, aides and interns were all males. And, you know, yeah, and that's, I did actually find that interesting because I, I forgot about that really, because I started coaching women primarily. And then I remember like, you know what, I've actually coached really a lot of guys. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that there was this, uh, I think I was reading a book about just kind of the Mm -hmm. energy we put out. And of course, what energy is attracted to us. And I don't think necessarily I have a lot of masculine energy, Mm -hmm. but I must have some that would attract Mm -hmm. more male, like than just the female. Um, But it's interesting because, you know, even talking to some men who have like a feminine energy and women are attracted to the feminine energy that they possess. And, and so there's the, you know, this kind of um, synergy that happens with people, mm-hmm. you know, which uh, across the genders, which I think is amazing. Uh, I, one of my um, mentors has written a new book, Danielle Strickland, and, and it's all about uh, men and women working together. And I, I'm interested to know, like, what, from your mm-hmm. perspective, how do you feel like we should actually work together as men and women. What what are ways do you think that we can actually uh, work together to benefit both genders? Well, I know for me, a lot of it is listening mm-hmm. and listening to whatever someone is trying to say. You know, whether they're, they're it's their thoughts, their feelings, their ideas, and listening to those that that always comes first um, for me. Um, and then, you know, I don't know, I guess I just, I just get in a groove with it, Andrea. I don't know if I can, you know, determine it so much other than I listen, I celebrate, I will say, and I, as you were talking, I wonder how much of this is the case, um, is the issue of competition. Hmm. I don't sense, and I've never even thought about this before. Like, I don't sense any competition like between me and women, like I'm not. And what's, what's interesting is in the strength finders, um, Clifton strengths, or I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yep. Mm-hmm. One of my top five strengths is competition. Interesting. And, um, but I don't feel the need to compete with women. Um, mm-hmm. I feel real like collaborative. I feel, and sometimes maybe I don't feel that with guys. Like I don't feel like I want to be collaborative. Maybe it's more competition. So I don't feel, um, and maybe I, you know, I, with the same, um, in the same vein, there's not a sense of then, uh, um, let's see, not competition, but uh, like a, uh, like threatened by women. Like yes, there's not a okay. sense of being threatened in any way. And maybe that's the same thing that women feel with me. Like they're not threatened by me. I am, I am very cognizant of that. I'm a, large guy. I'm like six, five. And, um, I'm really trying to be conscious of going, man, I don't want a woman to feel weird. Like I'm weirding them out in some way, whether it's like a sexual vibe or like just a physical big vibe or energy or something. It's like, Mm -hmm. how do I, how do I really um, support and cheer on? Um, so I don't know. I think it's more listening and the collaboration. That's, those are the two things that come to mind, the lack of competition. Um, yeah, I don't no, that's that's really like I really like that because you're saying that you saying that makes me think about the people I want to go to when I want to ask for certain advice. Mm-hmm. 
And a lot of the time it's the male coaches I know. Mm. And it's not that I don't think about the female coaches that I know. And, Mm -hmm. but there is this weird underlying, you know, thought of like, well, you know, maybe there's some competition there. Mm -hmm. Whereas when I'm talking to one of my guy friends and I'm asking them, I have, I feel nothing, Mm -hmm. even though I know that they can coach the same people I do. Yeah. Yeah. Has no bearing on, but for some reason it feels a little bit different. So there's, there is a, just a different synergy that kind of takes place there. So I think that's fascinating. Another thing that just came to mind, and this is so good. I'm having like some mental breakthroughs here with you. Oh, good. Thank, you, thank you for coaching me. I appreciate it. Um, I didn't, wasn't trying, but. <laughs> uh, you know, I also, my whole life have had a very direct personality, very intense. Mm-hmm. And that has caused me challenges, of course. It's, it's a huge benefit because I get things done and like, man, I can make things happen. But I also can be a little abrasive and rough. And yet what's interesting is when I'm working with women, I find that that aspect of me is really pulled back and so fascinating. Yeah. And more so Um, now my wife, she might uh, want to differ on that. (laughs) She's like, like, well, actually, why don't you be a little more mellow? Yeah. And she does. She calls (laughs) me on it. You know, it's Mm -hmm. great. And uh, we have those discussions. But I do find that when I'm working with women, I'm less prone to move into that aggressive posture um, that uh, can be there maybe with guys. So I, I, maybe that's why I even I even feel better about myself, you know, working with women, because it's like, wow, I'm not turning on that, you know, that like intense. Yes, feeling. that macho energy, that like real. And yeah, that like, OK, we got to, you know why was this done or why, you know, I don't know. There is a softening that I think happens in me when I'm working with women that makes me feel good. You know, makes me, Oh, I want to be more like that. You know, that feels feels good inside me. I think it's so interesting because you're seeing it from, of course, a male perspective of going the other direction. And I'm thinking, you know, to myself about how I feel you know, in the sense of working with a male in the same way of feeling like, oh, I don't have to worry so much about being direct. Oh, they're not going to take it so personally. Yes. You know, it's like, oh, so sometimes I think, you know, it's like when I'm like, all right, let's go. We got to do this. Let's get it going. You know, Um, I feel like it's, it's not like I don't have to candy coat it and use all the really nice words. And my friends have joked with me in the past and they say, I'm a mad texter. Oh, like you sound like you're mad. Okay. Yes. Yes. So I learned to use emojis. Yes. Because then that means like happy face, there's a heart, you know? And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, I literally go through emails and texts. I write them. Then I go back to the beginning and I rewrite the beginning with something nice. Totally. Yep. Because I got to the point right in my text or my email and then I'm like, okay, I probably should say, Hey, how are you? Like, are you good? How are things in my mind? I'm just like, I just want to tell you this information. I have had to do the same thing. I do all my emails almost always start with hi, so-and-so hope you're having a great day. Hope your week's going well. It's just natural. I just do it because I go, this is going to soften the process, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, just kind of, it's beyond <laughs> ramp into the conversation. And I, yeah, I look back at all texts, all emails and say, okay, how's this going to be received? You know, it, it is, and it's good. You know, that's good for me to be able yeah. to, you know, and I wish I had that same pause before I always talked. You know, you know, wish there was a way to kind of go, let me think what I'm going to say here and then, you know, say it. And I can do that. But um, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it'd be and, it'd be different to live like that if we actually could press the pause button before we actually said something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also think another thing and part of it is just my personality is not only am I super intense, but I can also be very playful. And sometimes I think that playfulness with guys can come off as just a little um a little weird little just like juvenile perhaps okay whereas if i can be playful if i'm playful with a woman um 
it it might have a tinge of flirt flirtatiousness in there, but it's just in the sense of building rapport or having, you know, fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be as simple as, um, you know, talk, um, if I'm interviewing somebody on a podcast, referring to something that's behind them, even um, uh, uh, commenting about it in a positive way. When, oh, yeah, I like that. Or what that reminds me of, or, you know, just some of those little connection points, but also could have some playfulness in there. I -hmm. think that that's one of the ways that I enjoy building rapport and connecting with people that perhaps works better, you know, with women. I, I don't mean this offensive, but you know, my, I have told my wife at one point, I go, I think I might be gay. I think I might be gay, (laughs) you know? And uh, she's like, I don't think you're gay. I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't either. But I, you know, <laughs> She's are, like, yeah, I think you'd know by now, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, I'm the one who decorates our home. I'm the one who is kind of thinking through the visuals of different things. I'm mm-hmm. the one who, I don't know, Andrea. It's just me. And it's funny because you say that because the men that I have gravitated towards primarily in my life have all been men who've been pastors who, um, or like, cause I was a pastor myself, but mm-hmm. who also like did that kind of thing in their home. So they were the, like they, you know, sometimes their wives were obviously involved as well, but they were yeah. very much like, or they dressed really well yeah. and they always, you know, would come up with their own, you know, ensembles outfits or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's interesting, but there was always this little bit of flair of the, you know, like I, the I you know I know what I like mm-hmm. visually aesthetically sure um so it's it's so so interesting yeah, to, to yeah. talk about this but okay I want to talk about identity okay you t- <laughs> speaking of identity we're talking about our identity <laughs> yeah but when talk about the identity of of people of women you talk about in your book and I want to read this here uh, I believe the inherent value of every human being is based on the fact that the divine has breathed life into them. Each and every person is inspired and that inspiration doesn't rub off or evaporate no matter what they experience or don't experience. I really loved that. And I want to ask you, what do you think sets us apart Mm -hmm. as humans, as people? What gives us our identity? Mm -hmm. Well, part of it, you know, it goes back to my background as a Christian pastor you know, there is, although my beliefs have morphed and shifted and transitioned in a lot of different ways, I have a deeply rooted belief that we were created by the divine or some entity, call it, you know, God, universe, source, whatever, um, but that we were created somehow, that we don't exist just out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that because of that, there is a divine imprint in each one of us that we have in the Christian world, it would be called the image of God. I like the term divine imprint. That's the fingerprints of God upon mm-hmm. our life. That the, if God is love, then we are love, right? If God is a creator, then we are creators. That that is in us. One of the stories that I tell in the book that it's, you know, meaningful to me is my grandfather. Um, after he retired from 30 years in the military, he opened up a little wood shop in his garage and he was making smaller things, but then he started getting into bigger pieces of furniture. And even here in my office, there's a bookcase, there's a huge oak roll top desk that he made that's in here. He made those for uh, all the kids and grandkids. He never sold any of those items. They were always just gifts. And after he designed the piece, cut it, put it together, glued, nailed, fashioned, all this stuff, on kind of the lower section, oftentimes hidden, he would take a wood stamp, a wood burning mechanism and stamp handcrafted by E.B. Trotter into the piece of wood. And he did that because he wanted people to know it was his seal of approval. It was, it was, the piece was complete. It was whole, it was done. It was enough in his eyes and that everyone from here until, you know, eternity would know he crafted that piece of furniture. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's symbolic of the divine in my life, that there is an imprint, not only in me, but every single person, that that imprint says you are whole, you are enough, you are complete, and that you don't have to do or be anything else to be loved or enough. And that is your true value. Like mm-hmm. that, that imprint is your value and what makes us 
you know, set apart or different from everything else here on this planet. Um, and that's why we have the opportunity to treat each other with that same level of value, that the value doesn't come from external things, the things that surround us, um, or even the experiences that we have or don't have, as you've mentioned. Mm-hmm. But it comes from that divine imprint within us. Mm-hmm. I f- was talking to some friends today and over Zoom this afternoon, and we were just talking about what people are learning during this season, you know, being isolated and away from, you know, just our regular normal lives. And mm-hmm. one friend said, you know, I'm skeptical that, you know, things are just people are going to go back to normal. We're going to go back to the way things were with, you know, advertising being the way it was and mm-hmm. bombarding us with this and this and, you know, busyness and, and, you know, and, and then the other one was, you know, saying something different, but I often wonder in this time, if it's something that, if we can take time to really understand our, our identity mm-hmm. and really understand who we are and our worth, because that's really all we have right now. Mm-hmm. What do you, what is your take on that? Especially in this season? Yeah. Well, when those things drop away, like a job or finances or the ability to distract ourselves with all the different things, um, it does leave us with going, who am I? What am I, what am I here to do? What is the meaning of life? And, um, I think that for me, I call it our true identity is Mm -hmm. that deep down that divine imprint, the fact that you are whole and our kind of false identity or made up identity or all these things that we use to prop ourselves up to make ourselves feel better or look better in the eyes of others, whether it's job, education, car, spouse, clothing, jewelry, you know, Mm -hmm. all those things. And without those, we have the opportunity to uh, contemplate, you know, what's left. And um, I think some of us will, a lot of us will, and some of us won't. You know, there's still a lot of things that we can distract ourselves with. You see a lot oh, of yeah. posts on social media between food and alcohol, um, mm-hmm. you know, those two being, and food, alcohol, and Netflix. Those are, that's the trifecta uh, yep. of the ways that we can I'm definitely ourselves. on the food train right now. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I just, I, Admittedly. <laughs> I'm just trying to get off of it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I would like to say I'm trying, but I don't know that I've tried that hard, but okay. sorry, go ahead. <laughs> this week, I'm like, better get off the food train. Uh, oh, oh yeah. I was like, this ain't, this ain't, this is no good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And those things soothe us, you know, they make us feel better in those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there will always be a part of our, uh, people in our culture who are having an awakening are being enlightened to start to go, oh, okay, who am I really? What am I here for? Are these things needed? You know, do I mm-hmm. need these things when, you know, maybe things transition to a different place? Do I need those things? But there will always be people that are um, learning, right? That yeah. Are- ex- yeah. And that's uh, one of the things that I think I said, you know, in the conversation with with those girls was, I'm like, if you take the time right now to ask yourself the tough questions, then you probably don't want to approach this the same way post because we don't know that it's not going to return and that we might not have to be again isolated at some point and you know I thought to myself I'm like I'd rather have a good semblance of what it is I do want to create yes beyond this versus you know just numbing out and then trying to make it through um you know because things are are shifting so much Mm -hmm. and and I I don't know. I I think that just in this time, I think it's really become so important for us to have a sense of identity and a sense of value and worth and of being enough because so often we do have those external influences that we are, you know, um, many people right now might be facing um, crisis in the home with Mm -hmm. a partner, a spouse or family member. And that's kind of like pushing down on the am I enough button, you know, like, um, and you talk a little bit about that, about being enough in your book. And um, 
so I want to talk about that because I, that's something I personally struggle with. I've also struggled with, am I too much? Mm. So how do we find a healthy balance in I am enough or I am too much? Mm. When you say that sometimes you feel like you're too much, help me understand that. What does that feel like or look like to you? Mm. It feels like there are times where I am vulnerable and wonder if I say or do too much and, it, and if it's exposing maybe parts of me that now I want to take back and go, oh, that was too mm. much. Mm. Um, it, it, it can also look like me being uh, decided on a, an issue or an opinion, mm-hmm. stating it, fighting for something, uh, feeling like I'm out of my depth, you know, in a situation where it's primarily men and I'm a woman and now I've done this and then I felt oh that was too much does life seem a little bit off to you right now I know that we're in a very strange season with COVID-19 being stuck at home being surrounded by people 24 7 is quite revealing about our lives about what we truly want about who we are what we're lacking, and where we do desire to go with our future. And maybe you have been thinking to yourself, you know what, I'm not really happy with the way things are going in my life. And I do want to take this time to become more intentional and purposeful about what I'm doing with my life. Perhaps you're even realizing that your own limiting beliefs are stopping you from moving forward in your life from taking those bold, courageous steps. And I want to encourage you that this is the time for you to actually be self-aware and to ask those hard questions so that you can dig deep and find out what it is that you do want to do with your life and how you can start creating a life you truly, truly love. And I'd love to help you with that. So I'm offering a free 30-minute strategy call for any new clients who really want to get clear on how you can begin to create a life that you truly love moving past all of the things that we're experiencing in the world right now. So to connect with me, make sure you go over to my website, which is andreacrisp.ca slash schedule. Book a time with me. I'd love to chat with you. For me, um, and I don't want to put this on you, but for me, when I hear, you know, too much, I actually hear, am I not restrained enough? Okay. Yeah. And so it's actually still back to a not enoughness in some way. And I think we get mixed up between our behavior or life skills and our, uh, our value or our identity. And so mm, okay. you, you may have some behavior or skills that might feel overwhelming to some people, but that's not connected to your identity. Those are just behaviors or skills that you're learning. So um, I am uh, enough. I don't have to do or be anything else to be loved or enough. I am full of joy. I'm full of um, peace. I'm full of love. Am I always loving? No. That's a skill. That's a behavior that I'm learning that the more I embrace my identity as being love, the more I will embody that lovingness, that loveliness to others. So I always try to differentiate with people, the behaviors or the skills and goes, we, we work on those. Right. But actually the more you embrace the fact that you um, you're good, just the way you are, you're, you're, you are, you are, uh, full of love, full of grace, full of hope, you're enough, that that creates the settledness that now whatever that behavior or skill that might not be as helpful, you can kind of address that coming from a place of wholeness Mm -hmm. rather than coming up from a place of lack, like, oh, I'm doing something wrong or, and then I'm wrong. Like, I'm not good enough. I'm not restrained enough to be with this person. It's like, no, 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 you're good. You're good. You're good. Maybe there's a skill we want to work on. (laughs) you're like but yeah it's interesting you say that because i am a one on the enneagram 
Mm -hmm. So my core fear is definitely not being good enough. Mm -hmm. So, or not being good or right. So it does, you know, when I think about identity and about, um, just kind of circling through that for me, there often comes that point of like, I, my inner critic is very strong on the best of days. So I have to, you know, spend extra time to make sure I'm like, okay, is my inner critic just kind of running amok here or can I quiet that down? Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. And and say, you know, like, okay, you're right. But I do love that example of, you know, it's you are already enough. The skills or behaviors that you're exhibiting might need a little bit of refinement, Mm -hmm. but it's not, it's not a, um, an indication of who you are. No, no, not at all. And when someone comes to you or you have a situation where you have, let's just say where you come across a little extra, whatever Mm -hmm. that looks like. Yeah. (laughs) Um, now let's just say that, um, that wasn't helpful and like somebody didn't respond in a way that you had hoped. Yeah. Well, back to it's not right wrong good or bad it's more like was that helpful in getting what you wanted like did you get what you wanted in the midst of that relationship or conversation based on how you responded well that person may not be able to handle that that's their issue not yours yeah but also if you're going to have an ongoing relationship with that person perhaps you may need to think through maybe is there another skill or a way of approaching them so then it's just um, as my long-term therapist has said, it's just information. Like if somebody come, if you came to me today and said, wow, David, that was really too intense. Like the way you responded, I am to the place where I would, I would feel, uh, bad. I would feel bad in the sense of, um, compassion. Like, wow, I'm so sorry. Not mm-hmm. bad about me, but bad about, you know, if I hurt you right. and, and I would go, this is not new information. I'm not shocked that I like yeah. too intense. I'm just like, oh, thank you for telling me that. I will work on that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just information if somebody gives you feedback that you're just extra because you know, oh, yeah, I am blah, 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 you know, whatever it is, you know, intense or, and that's a beautiful part of me because it helps me get these things done. It also means that in this area, I kind of need to work on it because it's not as helpful. Oh, definitely. And I have found that to be the case, especially highlighted in these past few weeks, living with my parents for 24-7. Okay. Tell and, me more. <laughs> well, mainly because everything is right front and center and there's no getting away from it or around it because we're always together. No one's leaving. So with the exception of this hour that we are recording, I don't know that my parents have really left the house in 30 days. Okay. Okay. They've left a few times, maybe five hours total. So, and not that's, that's not a bad thing. Right. So, but so you can imagine how long we've been together. Mm -hmm. So when that's happening, it's like everything that you think or do is right there is right in front of you and especially in your family of origin because it's your your people so they know you and so if if something happens it's you know everybody's quick to say something right off the bat so it's it's been really interesting and highlighted to me the things that i need to you know work on myself or uh, or even the growth Mm-hmm. has been highlighted, which is also really a good benefit because yeah. I've seen, oh, like you said a few minutes ago, um, you said that sometimes when someone points something out to you, instead of going, oh, now I feel terrible, you know, that just ruined my day. You, you pointed out a flaw in me and now I'm, my day's ruined. Or react with intensity. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, it would be like, oh, I'm not good enough. Right. Like, oh, and but now it's like, okay, I didn't mean to do that. I'm very sorry. And I'll look at where I made the mistake because I clearly did. Mm -hmm. I did not mean to, but I clearly made the mistake. So, but I used to 
feel at that point like, okay, now I'm going to take the next week and really beat myself up over it. Yeah, yeah. And so I've noticed that there's growth there where I'm like, I can release it and go, you know what? It's okay. That's good. Let, yeah, so, that feels good. Yeah. So there's yeah. there is some growth. I, I want to ask you, there are probably people, you know, in the percentage right now who are being self-aware right now, who are asking so, themselves the questions um, about growing and who are wanting to develop a vision for the life. You said this at the beginning, you know, you wanted to create something that didn't exist at the time in your life. And Mm -hmm. so you took the time to do that. Mm -hmm. How do people start to create a new vision for them, for their lives, especially, you know, in circumstances like we're in? Mm hmm. For me, um, two words are super helpful, and that's what if. Um, If we can start to ask that question of ourselves and the scenario that we're in, not the what if that looks backward, like what if I, what if this wouldn't have happened? What if I wouldn't have gotten married? What if I wouldn't have gone to this college or, you know, whatever. It's a what if looking forward to go, what if blank is possible? Mm -hmm. And generally that person has some sense of that possibility thinking deep, deep down, if you've been burned out, overwhelmed, perhaps experienced trauma or um, abuse, that what if becomes really hard, because it's more feels like I'm just in survival mode. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us are, you know, survival mode of just like Monday through Friday, live for the weekend. But if you can start to ask that question, what if in your mind and in your heart and allow just sit with it, you know, just allow it to um, go with you into your dreams, allow it to go with you as you exercise, allow it as you cook or, you know, and, and see what starts to come up for you. You know, what if I could go back to school? What if I could um, renovate my house? What if I could find a partner that was really felt connecting in? I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? That what if is in, uh, infinite in what it could be. Mm-hmm. Asking that what if, and then, you know, then as you start to have that come to your mind, what I take people through that's very common is just developing a, a vision, a mental picture of your preferable future. It's the mental picture of what you want to experience. So if it's a garage that's organized and clean, you close your eyes and you see it, you know, and you see all the details. Um, and asking that question, what if, and capturing that vision is momentarily requiring us to set aside the how. Because so many of us, we we can't ask the question, what if? We can't get the mental picture because, well, I don't know how I'd do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> this I don't girl know right here. My, I don't know how my partner would ever be up for that. I don't know where I'd ever have the money. I don't know. I don't even know how to do it. I don't have enough boxes. You know, whatever it is. How do we set aside the how for to get the mental picture? Yeah. And then, um, you know, it's it's small bites small bites of moving toward that vision, you know, one thing at a time. If I ask somebody that had never read a, written a book before to go, Hey, you need to write a book like in a month, like panic. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you have a coach even come alongside you and help you break down each step, step by step, all of a sudden, Oh, just do the next step. Right. Just do the next step. But in order to do the next step, most people are like, I don't even know what the next step is. You're right. You don't. You got to start with the what if in order to just open up your mind and heart. And then once you get an opening, then you start to have that vision come to into your crystallize in your mind's eye. Mm-hmm. And then once you have that vision of whatever it is, then you start to ask yourself, what's it going to take in order to move toward that vision? What are the mm. tools? And sometimes you, you still don't know. And that's where you need to call a friend or hire a coach like yourself, Andrea, or, you know, um, do some research on Google or YouTube uh, to just start to open up the possibilities. So mm-hmm. many of us, we stay stuck and go, well, I don't know how to do that. I go, uh, you know how to use Google, right? You know how to use YouTube, right? Like, here's a great example. 2011, I believe it was. Um, I had gone to India seven, eight times, really had a heart for uh, for orphans and helping draw attention to that issue. Um, according to UNICEF, they say there's 31 million orphans in the nation of India. And I had seen orphans living even on the street alone. 
And so I had a buddy and we, uh, we said, what would it look like to draw attention out? He said, well, what if we did a documentary? He said, have you ever done one? I was like, no, I never done a documentary. Have you ever done one? No, I haven't. Well, we should do one. And so he had a buddy who was a cinematographer. We called him. We raised a couple, like 20 grand through a nonprofit, got a translator and just went to India. Amazing. And found a group of orphans living alongside a railway. We jumped into it because we just took one step at a time. And then uh, the film got picked up for distribution by Word Entertainment out of Nashville. And then it was on Netflix for two years, 2014. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, that was my first documentary. And I was like, well, that was easy. But, you know, things kind of came together, (laughs) right? Things came together. But I say that to go, Yeah. I'd never done a documentary before. I figured it out. Because yeah. you, and the, the, the what if is the what if we could raise people's awareness of orphans in India. Mm-hmm. That's the what if. The vision became, we started talking about what if we got motorcycles and we like rode across India and like we raised money somehow. We're like, yeah, okay, our wives wouldn't let us do that. Um, what if we, you know, it just, the vision starts to come if you start to ask those questions, what if? Mm-hmm. And then the documentary and you go, okay, well, what are the next steps? I don't know, but this guy's a cinematographer. I bet he could at least shoot the camera, you know, towards something, you know, and then, well, we need to, you just figure it out, but you got to get moving. And the question of what if for me is what helps people kind of get out of that stuckness. Mm, What does help people get out of the stuckness beyond the what if, like if they're blocked or they are, you know, I have a challenge or I feel like something's holding me back, like finances or... Yeah. I mean, for me, generally, it's somebody else coming into my life and opening up possibilities. It could mm. mean me reading about how somebody else did it, just reading about their story, seeing a movie about, you know, documentary about how they did something. Um, when I, let's see, at a, uh, my, my parents, my dad worked for the government um, and my mom was an administrative assistant at banking mortgage industry, super faithful, eight to five type folks. And it wasn't until I got out of college and I got around some other guys who were a little bit older than me, maybe five, 10 years, and they had their own businesses. And I was like, whoa, I didn't even know, I didn't even know that was possible. I don't even know where businesses came from, Andrea. Mm. I don't know if they just magically (laughs) appeared or the government (laughs) created them or something. I don't know. But I was like, it wasn't until I was like 22. I'm Oh, you could start something. You could start your own business. Wow. (laughs) Once again, it's being around people Mm -hmm. that have a different way of thinking, living, experiencing. And a coach does that. You know, a coach can open up possibilities, but it it also can just be a friend to go, I'm stuck here. I don't know how I would do this. What are some other ideas? What are some other possibilities? Can you help me think through that? And Mm -hmm. have somebody, especially somebody who is entrepreneurial, or successful in some fashion, like there may be a couple of steps ahead of you in some way, especially in the area that you're wanting to have growth in, you know, whether it's right. in your marriage or your health or your finances or a business, kind of going to somebody and go, ah, I'm kind of stuck here. What are your thoughts? You know? Yeah. Be very helpful. No, that's good. Because I'm thinking, you know, for all those people who are listening and thinking, you know what, beyond this, I would love to have something different, you know, a new vision. You know, I was just even listening to a message a friend sent to me not long ago. And she said, well, I lost my agent. So if I really want to act, I'm going to have to get out there again. And I think she's been sitting on the fence because she's not sure if she wants to be in ministry or if she wants to act. Okay. And she's been in this place for, I don't know, five years. Wow. Back and forth. And I'm her friend, so yes. I try to not coach her through it. Sure. I try to listen through it. Um, <laughs> feel free to coach her, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send her to you. Um, but it's interesting to me because, you know, the, even just the, the sheer fact that she brought it up and said I lost my, my agent yeah. was an indication to me. I'm like, well, obviously you haven't dropped this mm. or else you had been relieved. Mm. Oh, I lost. Thank goodness. Yes. I don't yes. have my agent anymore. I can yes. just put this to bed. Yes. 
you know? And so it's interesting now, I think people are in a place where they're thinking, okay, a lot was taken from us in a sense of what we would deem normal in our normal lives right now. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of this, even though it's been such a short amount of time, it has been a very, very, uh, I guess, intense time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for probably for each of us. And beyond that, beyond this time when we go back to living and doing things outside of the home and are able to, you know, build businesses again and people want to dream and they want to have possibility and they want to know that things are possible. Mm -hmm. So what do you say to those men, women who are in the dreaming phase and go, you know, is this possible for me? Can I, should I hope for this? What, are, yeah, what would yeah. you say to them? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm always the one to, to go, uh, if you have, if you have income, let's keep that income, you know, mm-hmm. growing, <laughs> you know, yeah. let's not jump off the cliff, you know, yeah. let's make sure that, uh, and you know, if you need immediate income, you know, there are ways to do that. If you have this dream though, of course, of course, you know, the, it always starts though with meeting your your superpowers, your vision, your passion with a need, because you may have this vision, this, this, what if that comes up it, and this, what if is a different, what if it's a, what if of a business or a side hustle or something, not mm-hmm. just like, I want to clean my garage. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. We know there's a need there. Yeah. Uh, so, but if that, what if then matches a need, now you can move forward with deliberate steps there will always be needs in the world. There will always be needs. And the crazy part is there are needs that need to be met that people don't even know they need. Like there are things that that we get accustomed to enjoying and using that we didn't even realize we wanted or needed. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of something right now that uh, could be the case. I mean, geez, the, the iPhone, of course. Um you know, it could be a, a new way of having um, uh, pens or cameras or, uh, well, here's a great example. Um, I just bought this on, for those who obviously can't see it. It's a way to just plug in from your cigarette lighter into a cord for your laptop. Oh, yeah. Right? It just, people have these all the time. I don't even know what they're all, like a converter, like a 110 converter or something. So you can plug it in your, it's a 150 watt power inverter. That's what it is. And you just plug your um, laptop in or whatever. Would I have ever dreamed that I would want something like this 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Maybe not. I don't know. But somebody saw, wow, that's a need. Somebody wants to plug their computer in, in their car. I should make that thing. (laughs) Right? Right. So there are things, there are needs that if you can envision that, then there's a market for it. So of course you can start a business. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've started lots of different things and some have um, worked, some have not been as, you know, workable or successful. And <laughs> that's okay. You know, I just, but you gotta, I, I, I tell my wife, I like to live my life on kind of three legs. One leg is how am I making money right now? Yeah. How am I generating income? The second is, uh, is there something that I could do that would be fun that might generate a lot of income? like something, you know, entrepreneurial or something unique. And then the third is, uh, how am I making a difference in the world? And not Mm -hmm. that those three are all separately, but I like to have all three going at the same time. That's Mm -hmm. me. Some people just want to break, do the job and that's it. And that's that's fine. But for me personally, how am I making income right now? How could I make a bunch of income some way, meeting a big need in the world? And then uh, how am I making a difference? And Mm -hmm. for me, um, that, that feels good when I have all three working. It feels really good for me. Mm, no, that's awesome. David, thank you so much for you know chatting with me this afternoon. I feel like I've learned so much from you. And I want people to be able to connect with you and also buy your book. So where can they do that? Well, our website is insporising.com, I-N-S-P-O, rising, R-A-S-I-N-G.com. And then the book Empowered to Rise is available on Amazon, of course. And um, all of our podcast episodes and social media and all that stuff can be found on our website. Awesome. And I will put links to all of that in the show notes so that people can connect with you. So thank you so much. Thank you, Andrea. It's an honor to be with you. I loved what David had to say about being enough. And that feeling like you're too much is actually a form of not enoughness. 
It kind of blew my mind. Reminds me that I need to own who I am and believe that I'm okay just the way I am. What did you take away from the conversation? I want to encourage you that if there is something that moved you, take action on that right away. When we don't take action on things, they often fade away. But when you do take immediate action, you'll start to see that you're shifting the narrative of your life. Who you are, your identity, is being revealed within that narrative. So a huge thank you to David for coming on the show. You can connect with him. All of his info is located in the show notes, as well as a link to his book, Empowered to Rise. So make sure you grab yourself a copy. And friends, I want to thank you for hanging out with me today. I love spending this time with you. I'm sending you all so much love. Until next time, remember, you have everything you need to live bravely. If you like this episode of The Courage Cast, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a rating and review, and while you're there, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Original music and production by Stephen Crilly.